Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. There are three central chapels in this meek little territory. The first is the Chapel of Living Things, hidden in a corner of the valley wrought with redwoods, which we visited in the dead of night with Tara and the inebriated Lyoth children, aside from Ellie who doesn't like good taste. The second is the Sanctuary of Disburden. We'll get there. The third is the Temple of the Priestess's Presence, a large ornate building in the center of the middle town. The central and choice temple of Valis. The inside is decked out in a stunning sort of way. Lots of earth-toned alloys and sharp angles and benches with backs to them. And it's where we are now. Upon these benches sit the folks of Valis, perhaps about 200 of them, dressed in either their Thursday best, or for those with work afterwards, their Thursday just all rights. The priestess speaks from the front of the room. The Prophet Day Week celebration also serves as a preparation for the following month of Imbar. Sun and rain are all Valis knows. They're familiar to us as folks. Two opposite concepts, two opposite phenomena. She wears long pastel robes and cropped maroon pants. A deer mask veils her face. Whereas the groundskeepers from the Chapel of Living Things was a compostable arrangement of natural materials, dark and damp and mystical in its design, this mask is meticulous, ornate, and when the light from the windows hits it just right, sparkling with what we can only assume is the presence. Yet, we cannot thrive off of one over the other. We require both. The sun and the water both feed our plants and make them grow. The language of the world, foreign to us, when we are the foreign creatures. The Lyoth family, consisting of four grown-up children, one personal assistant, one secretary, one Logan, and one Luciana, take up two rows in the center. 
The priestess speaks about a day in their history, the day of the prophet. Speaking of prophets, ours sits behind the priestess up front in a rather pious chair, one leg perched up, left hand cradling her staff, watching. Great they, Tara sure wishes she knew what was going on. And great they, the Lyaths in the audience, sure wish something new was going on. This leads to some side-tracking. Mike. Hey, Mikey. Hmm? I have the new Divine Obscurance Mask. Prove it. Directly over Eller, Ellie slips her oldest brother a paper taken from the back of the aisle in front of them. On it is drawn the priestess, but instead of a deer's head, it is a giraffe. Eller doesn't respond to any of this, for he has fallen asleep. <laughs> Where would her head go? Where the giraffe's head is, duh. Oh, that's her actual neck. Yeah, she can stretch. I think that's a great idea. You should submit it for the mask renewal thing. I would, but I don't want to make it an easy decision, you know? Hmm, yeah, I do know. Could you guys keep it down? It's distracting. Sorry, dude. Yeah, yeah, I'm so sorry. It's okay. So, as we approach the month of Prophet Day week... Follow Amphorn's footsteps and remember, listen to what the world is telling you, in the sun and in the rain. It isn't only us folks who can speak. What does a giraffe even symbolize? Mm, I'll look it up. Mikhail discreetly unpockets his phone. A donations tray is being passed around. It whisks past Logan and stops at Luciana. She hands it back. Logan, you dropped this. They're asking for more money when I just saw them spend the revenue on a coffee run last week. I like to think of it as volunteer morale. Logan fixates on an older woman a few rows ahead. Well, it would have been her groceries for the week. Oh, who's to say she would have spent it on groceries and not gambling? I'd say logic. Mom, Dad, please. It's fine, Dune. Sorry, honey. Luciana drops the money in the tray. And of course, the actual occasion of Prophet Day Week is in remembrance of the Prophet Amphorn, who dispelled of the darkness with his prophetic staff. The darkness that swallowed our pre-prophetic world and implemented the system we have now. And, as the sun sets on Helga, we waited three years for our new wise woman for the community of Valis. Dylan and Dune's shoulders are touching. Dylan is very, very, very aware of this and wants to talk to Dune, but knows that Dune is very strict about being respectful during chapel. So, he keeps his whirling thoughts to himself. Dune, meanwhile, is thinking very hard about thinking about what the priestess is saying. And he's thinking about how much easier it would be to just think about it if his family would stop being so annoying. Are you okay? Yeah, I just, I just want to be respectful. Yes, yeah, totally. We still doing Fodale? Oh, fuck yeah. Says sensuality is an inherent giraffe trait. How? It's gotta be the neck. How is it the neck? Mikhail performs a 25% committed impression of a giraffe waggling its head about. He looks plainly back at Ellie, then reverts his eyes up front, where the priestess gestures to Tara, who stands... Hey, Tara's standing. Oh, Tara! They all stand, except for Eller. Dune from behind gives him one softish thwump on the shoulder. Oh. They all stand. This quite puts Tara off. Oh, my. Uh, thank you. Hello, folks. My name is Tara. I am your new residential prophetess. Ah, prophetess. 
the ancient reference to the craft. And I find it to be more accurate. In some aspects, I suppose. Prophets make the dead see that they are dead. And the weak see that they have strength. Amphorn said that. Very good. And what do we need to see here in Vallis? That's for you all to help me with, so I can in return help you. I'm here for you. If you have any inquiries, quandaries, or anything else that falls under my jurisdiction, you can find me at Lyoth Hall. Yet not with Lyoth Hall. The Prophet is our middle ground. Yep. We look forward to your service. We open to you our souls and hope that you will see us. And And hope hope that you will see us. Dismissed. Go in peace, Vallis. The Lyoths coast into the main hall. Mikhail offers Ellie the paper back. Eller slips by, rips it from this exchange, and dunks it deep into the mask recommendation basket. Eller! Ellie! Oh, stop it! Stop! Stop! We are at Temple. Just chill out! A volunteer approaches, clad in a simple dome-shaped mask with slits for eyes and mouth. Excuse me, Doom. From now on, in the chapel... Could we keep the volume down? I was telling them to- It's okay, dude. He really was. It wasn't his fault. I mean, we weren't nearly as loud as he was oh, just hey, Aggie. now. Great. Hey, okay. Bean. I didn't know you'd be volunteering today. Hence the anonymity. But I just couldn't help myself. You look so lovely. I just had to tell you. Oh, thanks. Is that allowed, though? I think they'll forgive me for true love. Hey, we still on for couch shopping next Saturday? For the apartment, right? Yeah. Yep, we're great, Rourke. What do I do about the giraffe? I guess we'll know for sure in the fall. I'm really worried about it. Okay. Uh, okay, let's let's go look, out. Tara watches this unfold. She and the priestess placidly watch now as Mikhail and Ellie gingerly pick through the pile. Myaths. Oh, they're not trying to... I saw the chain of events, prophetess. But thank you. I still would rather prefer their eyes not be grazing other submissions. What are the submissions for? Every three years we have a new masking ceremony. The folks of Valis designate what the spiritual needs of the community are, and we create a new headpiece to symbolize it. This phase is the deer. Instinct. Regeneration. Ah, so you know your symbols. Purity and dignity are big ones as well. Does every priestess in Valis practice masking? The groundskeeper did it too. Oh, we refer to it as the divine obscurance. Ah. But, to answer your question, yes, save for disburden. Where is that? Up a hill, overlooks the burying place, further than anyone ought to walk. What is the purpose behind the divine obscurance? So that others may feel at peace, and that we may live our personal lives without the guise of perfection, to separate priesthood from livelihood. But doesn't that dispel the even ground we stand on as folks under the great day? Imperfection is the one thing we have in common. Shouldn't that be where priesthood and livelihood collide? I believe that's in your lane. Vallis is different from the territory life we were prepared for. What is different? I'm not doing much prophesying for a prophet, am I? Have you a prophecy for us? Have you had any to this point? Tara, without the promise of consistent prophesying, don't you see why wise woman is a better term for you now? Though the mask doesn't change, Tara senses it. Tara cannot find words. She's losing. She's losing. That can't be right. It's a preference. And that is fine. I simply think we ought to be accurate. And that's fine for you to think. Why have you not come to us here at the chapel sooner? 
I've been settling in, catching up on the preliminary influx of prophetic inquiries. This was really the first day I haven't been locked up at the hall. I find it distasteful that you reside with the Lyaths. As far as I can tell, it's a tradition here, and a rather central place for me to work from. It also binds your image to the chiefdom. I thought the prophetess was the bridge between us, not on either side. Where I am physically has no effect on my values. I think that you will find the longer you are somewhere, that will change. Duties will muddle. I am well aware of what my duties are and will take steps to make sure they don't muddle. You need to get to know the common folks more. I'd say anyone who calls them the common folks ought to. Logan and Luciana join this pair's tension, and instead of dispelling it, they interestingly and mathematically square it. Tara. Logan. Priestess. Chieftain. Well thought teaching today. Thank you. How goes your work? Oh, we're busy as usual. And the school, Lucy? Oh, you know how these younger folks are with organized theology. (laughs) Yes, it is rather distasteful. I'd rather just call it different. Refreshing at times. I find I'm learning too, these days. That's good. Well, I will leave you three to your triad duties. Luciana steps out and, oh... The balance of power here is immaculately dodgy. Shall we get started? One moment. The priestess approaches the mask referral basket and sweeps it from the table in such a marvelously coordinated way that Mikhail and Ellie's hands still hover over where it sat. Mikey, Mikey, she took it! She really did. Hello, why do you have to be so... So what? A giraffe. Intriguing. Is that supposed to be my neck? (laughs) It's just a sketch. (laughs) You may give this back to your children, Logan. I think you ought to rein in this behavior. They're all your heir presumptives, after all. And sowers of their own seeds. Okay, so since we're all met, can we go over what it is every folk does exactly? Of course. I lead the chapel. The ritual of tradition, morality law, which includes overlooking the guardianship. The guardianship? Like Willow? The priestess does not know who that is. Barely does Logan, but he nods. And of course, I lead the chieftain. Interterritorial relations, political matters, including overlooking the business district. And I am the prophet. The great days direct advocate. And the one who deals with everything we can't. I was going to say an impartial third party. Nah, I mean, sure. We must touch base on your duties for your first Prophet's Day week festival. We've got time until then. Long enough for you to get settled. I'm sorry. What for? Where you offer a prophecy for Valis. Give us insights into the new season, what to expect, look out for. A scheduled prophecy? Yes, a prophecy. You can do that, right? You're a prophetess. It's literally what you were born to do. To speak on the behalf of them. It is the foundation of your craft. Won't be a problem. Even Helga mustered at least one a year. Great day, Tara. When's the last time you two spoke? The Prophet Day Week Festival is soon, Tara. If not now, then when? Sounds great. Doesn't it? I have inquiries to fulfill. I need to go. Hmm. So she does. What's the point? Of? Magic tricks? Huh. Well... Once again, we are in Tara's office in Lyoth Hall. 
she has been filing down on that inquiry box, which seems to mysteriously capsize the more she whittles it down. You got any idea what this is? Okay, what's... Oh! Great day! That's not... That's... You need to see your medical practitioner. That is not a me problem. That is not something I can... I wanted natural treatment! Yeah, but that's very unnatural. Wow. Uh, call... Go, go call your physician, please. Are you sure that's what they think? Hold up. Tara lazily rolls her eyes back into her head, waits a moment, then rolls them back. Yeah, just convened. Go to the doctor. Tara's getting rather claustrophobic. Dare she say, a little fussy. Logan walks in with no regards. Tara, we have an immediate task waiting in the lo- Oh, what is that? It's why I'm here! And why you're going to the doctor after this. Mm, I'm not convinced. Tara, this is an important matter. Chieftain Lyeth, it has to wait. It doesn't have to. Logan? There is some fear there. It can wait. Yeah. Yes. Chieftain's name is Logan? Logan backtracks into the hall, where across the way, we see Dylan and Dune brushed against opposite walls. Dylan. Yeah? Can you go grab Tara for me? Now? I think she's in a meeting. They're leaving. Look. Ah, so they are. They are second-guessing their odd little malignancy and thinking about maybe scheduling a medicinal visit. But, eh, I can tell you now they probably won't do that. Dylan squeezes by them and swiftly dodges into Tara's office before the door completely closes. Hey, Tara. How... How you doing? You doing okay? Yeah. Hey, Dylan. You've been really working nonstop, huh? You and me both. <laughs> hey, did Logan send you in here? Yeah. Yes, he did do that. Why? Oh, I'm not comfortable being a middleman here. You don't have to be. But he's my boss. And it's still okay for you to have boundaries. How do you know when you need boundaries? If you have to think about if you need a boundary somewhere specifically... You probably need a boundary there. Something important happens in Dylan. He should still. Logan, just come in. Logan cautiously skirts the corner and plops into the seat across from Tara. Did we ever land on the coconut thing? No. Damn it. Thought not. Is. is that all? Well, it was a tandem decision to follow through with the coconut trade. I didn't know whose jurisdiction it was to continue investigating how to properly go about the discussion between territories or the ethics of this newer transportation. That's valid, sadly. Does it have to be solved now? I just got a message from the other chieftain. The other chieftain? Not the prophetess? Prophet, there, and no. Then it sounds like a you thing. Do you want now, to weigh in Now, hold up a second. We got magicians here? It's doing a goop thing. Oh, Oh, no. so it is. Tara does a vastly internal sigh, types something quickly on the computer, then dives for her apothecary bag. Logan, I just printed some directions for them. Can you staple them and bring them back here, please, while I dress that? Yeah. Dune and Dylan, just a few feet out the door, still casually chatting about all and nothing, are surprised to see Logan once again. What you doing, Dad? Stapling something. Oh, do you want me to? Nope. Oh, our... Logan is in his office. Dylan and Dune meet eyes with a certain chaotic confusion that propels them to then peer in on our dismal prophetess. 
who is plain-faced as she dabs at the thing. The boys exchange some looks in silence. Dunes reads, Yawn. While Dylan's eyes pine for his attention, going, Dune. Dune, she looks bummed. Dune. Dune. Hmm? Look at Tara. She's so stressed. Hmm? Logan Lyeth exits his office with a freshly stapled packet, hands them to Dylan, points to the door they are looking at, and disappears back into his office. Dune glances at Tara, then back at Dylan. Dylan's eyes widen. See? What do you want me to do about that? The folk pops out of the room again, a bit bewildered in the eyes, and wrapped at the arm. Dylan offers them the directions, and would you look at that? They take them. Recentered, Dylan glares at Dune in a kind sort of way. Invite her to come with us. Nah. Dylan's puppy dogging. Oh, Dylan's puppy dogging. <sighs> Dune heads for Tara's office. Dylan frolics behind him, heart fluttering only a bit. Tara does not look up from the form she's scribing. Hey, Tara. So, uh, what you doing tonight? Um, just... She looks up, utterly surprised. What was she doing tonight? Well, we're going to Fodale Ale House this evening. What is Fodale Ale? It's the best bar Ever. In the history of the old world. And the new world. And the parallel and abstract. Yeah. Dill, Will, and I have got a weekly game going on in one of the party rooms there with a couple of friends. It's chill night. And... The boys look at each other so long that Tara tires of watching them do it. And? Dylan wants you to come with us. We want you, we to, come want with you us. to come with us. You do? We do! Yeah. Why? What do you mean, why? It'll be fun! Where is it? It's technically still in Vallis, in a basin-off part of the hills behind the hall, but they only have circle entry located downtown. It's to keep folks from attempting to travel when they're absolutely crunked. <laughs> That's really smart. Uh, but, like, if you can't due to moral reasons, or if you're not allowed to drink, or anything... Oh, I'm anything, allowed. Uh, and intrigued. So? Oh, Tara's about to smile. Oh, I think she's about to say yes. You deserve it, Tara. Get out there! Develop the world of the story! Tara? Logan re-enters Tara's office, seemingly more distracted than before. What's up? Tell you what. I'll handle the deal. Are you sure? I am. Besides, I think you should go with them to Fodale Ale. I overheard the conversation and I think it's a good idea for you. Okay. Why? You'll get to know more of the community. You've been locked up in here for a couple weeks now. The priestess made a good point. I've been so stuck in here with you all that I haven't really met the Vallis folks. What will you do? I'll consult my other wise woman. I'm a prophetess. I know that. I was referring to my Luciana. I know. It's just an important distinction. So what do you think? I check out some trade laws, you grab some ale? <laughs> Imagine if Tara said no here. What a short installment this would be. Okay. Yeah. A wise choice. Luciana Lyeth is in class at the University of Vallis, Territorial Theology 101. This is a class for first years, not Luciana's favorite, not academically inciting as she prefers, but alas, it's on the schedule for today and much to the benefit of us. And that being is relevant to how many territories? Well, 
that really depends on the type of theism the term they refers to. For many territories, it is used in reference to a polytheistic pantheon. Yes, the plural academic root of the phrase. As opposed to what? Come on, you know the term. Ah, uh, the tension between a teacher and their class who forewent the required reading. Folks, we hold a tradition of non-binary monotheism. Ah, uh, the familiar scrolling of notes. The term sounds very much like it belongs on next week's test. What's that mean again? You really ought to buy your book, Cecily. On the Scribed Prophet's Day, we lost any documentation or textual citations to personal facts about capital T, them. Anything recorded after that point is covered in our prophetic mandate class. Monotheism is derived from monothe, which means singular. Why do we as a territory mutually agree on the monothe over the polythe if the term has double connotations? It seems presumptuous. Oh, yeah, uh, Eller's here. He's not a student of territorial theology, but figured a 101 class with his mom was as easy as A's come in terms of elective credit. Eller brings a good point. One that is much above this class's level and will be discussed in our fourth year seminar tomorrow. So let's not fry the freshmen's brains. Logan Lyeth, Luciana's partner, chief de Navalis, but certainly not a student of the university, has snuck into the back of the class. Luciana notes him upon putting a period on that sentence. Logan! A pleasant surprise, our chieftain is here. Students, if you have any territorial complaints, file them now. Well, now's as good a time as any to spring that pop quiz on you. Luciana scrawls something about Silvis and the plural deity concept on the board, then whisks past the scribbling pencils to the back of the room and courageously enters the personal bubble of her partner. What is it? I've really got to sort out that coconut thing. We're still on that? Welcome to what happens when we interfere with laissez-faire economics. Fair enough. Well, best of luck, babe. Thanks for letting me know. Actually, I was thinking you could help me out. Help you out? Yeah. Pull a late night in the old thinking chambers? It shouldn't take too long to sort things out. The rest of the night could be fun. Hmm. Tara was too busy, wasn't she? I asked her not to. Dune and Dylan invited her out with them tonight. Figured she should mingle with the normies. Well, at Fodale, you'll hit more of the subpar pool of individuals, but I think that was a good decision. Well? Sounds fine. I just need to get in touch with Agnes and have her do some grating for me. Great. We can order in. All right. I'm open to anything, but mostly that one place on the corner of Middletown's main road. See you then. Right. Luciana doesn't let that spark of intrigue slip through the cracks. As a mutual send-off, Logan exits, and Luciana returns to the front of the room. She erases the question on the board. All right, so what term do Sylvans use? Come on, Cecily just explained it a minute ago. Intermission. Well, let's get back to it. 
Night falls, and the members of the house are busy doing various things. Not all of which will be interesting enough to revisit later on, but worth noting nonetheless. Ellie and Mikhail are foxholed in Ellie's room, under the simple F plot of creating her final trifold of secondary school. Eller is brooding about Agnes, alone in his room, while Agnes is brooding about Eller, alone in Luciana's office. Logan has ordered in, and now sets the takeout across the table of their master room, where Luciana sits eagerly. Tara, Dylan, and Dune pop out of the circle in front of Fodale Ale. I can't believe you like that. I can't believe you don't! Do you like circling, Tara? Not as much now. The night is young and hazy. They're in a red grass patch, basined on all sides by high walls of natural moss and rock. In the distance, on a higher hill, there are orchards. The alehouse itself is a confusing, jumbled mess of ruined stone and refurbished wood, building seamlessly off of each other to create a timeless place of absolute intrigue. A chimney pokes out of the thatched roof, spouting smoke into the churning pink evening sky, adding more layers to the swirl of the clouds. Cool. It's better inside. Let's go. Let's go. What do you know? It is. The three sit at the open bar. What'll it be? Short inland hot tea. Uh, that, like, it has coffee, but it makes you drunk. Yep. You? A shot of something nice, please. Hey, you're the wise woman, right? Tara, prophetess. Who are you? Oh, Finn. Hey, can I... Dylan and Dune scooch further down the bar line, disintrigued by that sort of conversation. Think Pierce is going to be mad real late? Yeah. Do I think it matters? Nah. he just be like that. <laughs> yeah, he really do. Think we'll make it out of the city hall filibuster alive? Well, we'd better. My character has something they want to ask yours. Oh, yeah? Are Anastasia and Sarah going to DTR? I don't know. We'll have to see. Honestly, Anastasia's just kind of shy and working out their own shit, you know? Yeah, and Sarah's just incredibly busy and shy. Sounds like someone I know. Eller, right? <laughs> yeah, completely. Yeah. Think Anastasia's got a chance? Uh... Oh, the panic raging through Dylan's amygdala. The intrigue, the hope, the fear. The non-specificity of this interaction. Why is this still a thing? It sets the mind to spiral. I don't know, but it looks like Tara's wrapping up. A worm? It's so lucky for you that she really truly is, Dylan. That's something nice. I'm so excited to finally meet you. We were afraid we wouldn't get the chance for months. Upper class usually gets first priority. Not your fault, of course, just how this is I understand. And I think we ought to break that habit, too. Hey, you mind if I ask you something? Actually, I am not taking inquiries off duty. Besides, I do not have any of my tools or documents that will give you the best service you deserve. But I'll tell you what. Here is my email and call card. You can schedule an appointment, and we'll sort something out if you cannot make it to Lyoth Hall or schedule within the allotted hours. It won't be right away, but I'll see what I can do. Sound good? Yeah, yes, totally. Thank you. A flustered, utterly logic-to-death audience nods like a horde of the undead and turns away. Tara turns back to Dylan and Dune. That was amazing! How did you- Boundaries, I'm telling you. 
I'd like to get drunk now, please. Destiny awaits. Let's go! Tara shoots one shot, then takes the other along for the ride. They wade through the crowd, scale a spiral stairs, and enter a loft of sorts. In the center of it sits a table, decked with a diorama of a modern office building. At this table sits a singular folk. Pierce is intense, vibe-wise, normal looks-wise, middle height and middle weight with brown hair and glasses, but oof, there's just something sharp in the way he surveys the world. And boyo, that nostril flare. Doom, son of Logan. Dylan, son of Gwenda. Hey. What's up, Pierce? Pierce looks to Tara. Uh, hey, I'm Tara. We know. Fucking Will won't shut up about you. Do us a favor and check the staff at the door. I won't shut up about... No way! hey Tara! Tara beams at Willow, best friend, welcome kiosk guardian, as they stride into the room from behind. Hey, friend. How are you? Are you... Are you joining? Better not be. Just watching. No worries. Oh, Pierce is great once you sneak past his rough exterior. (laughs) I'm not an archetype. I just don't understand why we invited the prophetess to our game night. It throws off the groove. Is Shelly on her way? Uh, no. Did she have a previous unnamed conflict? She dropped last week. What? It was in the group chat. But they, they were our highest level player. We're defenseless in the Sundale Mall backrooms. No, spoilers! What? Is this game? It's cities and cartels. Tara, you should join. I really don't need to. I think it'd be fun. And I think we don't have time to do player setup. Joan's getting off her shift any second, and I plan on jumping right in. And wonderfully, in this moment exactly, Joan rushes in. A petite woman with green streaked hair and a fantastically maroon lipstick. See? I have summoned Okay, her. okay, here's the deal. I'm so sorry. The other waitress is fucking late, and it's a rush. I have to cover until they get here. Well, how long would that be? I don't know. 20, 30 minutes? Pierce's glare is piercing. Pierce, this is my job. I literally can't clock out just because you're impatient. Well, actually, you can because you're being asked to work overtime, uh, which isn't... You sound just like my sister. I don't mind. Well, I do. And you wonder why Shelly quit. She told everybody else, she but not me? She sent it to the chat, Pierce. Okay, fan-fucking-tastic. So are you quitting, too? No. I'm going back to my shift. See y'all in 30. 20 to 30. 27-ish to 40, yes. Joan really looks at Tara now. As in, she notices the hair and its connotations. Joan's eyes fix into Tara's as the vibe shifts towards fear. Are you the wise woman? Tara, prophetess, good to meet you. Joan. A moment of connection, in that way where, if they were alone, Tara supposes Joan would want to ask something. Perhaps think better of it, but... In this group setting, it is a fleeting millisecond of afraid eye contact before Joan is out the door. I'm just gonna name the elephant in the room that this gives us a perfect opportunity to draft in Terra. I'm just saying! Fine, but only because I'm already in the headspace and need to do something creatively intriguing to remain in it. We will use the standard layout based on the class of your choice, otherwise we'll be here all night. Nothing about what you just said makes sense to me. For fuck's sake. Example! So my character, 
is suburb-based mafia muscle slash club bouncer Igor Alexiev. He works 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. at the club. Jones' character manages, then the rest of the day he drives around the city punching folks. He works your actual hours? You gotta play what you know. I am the dastardly Anastis, they, them, kinesthesiologist with a heart of gold and a knack for crime. So each of you has, like, a different job. A different ability and efficiency, which aids the group on quests as a whole. I think there's six or seven base ones. But it gets complex. It must, to be good. But for now, we'll cover the basic skill sets. One, fighter, or muscle folk, which would be, in our instance, Igor Alexiev. Anastis is multi-classing as a fighter and scholar, or learned folk. Also known as the collegiate athlete with a general business degree. There's also the negotiator, which is taken by Joan. She's Fleur McCarty, a lady boss, crime lord, and owner of the club, Igor Bounces. Where will they, won't they? And it is intense. <laughs> they aren't the only one. We're pretty sure Anastis and Sarah are a they will and regret it. Next, Tara, there's the healer slash magician, which is the wise woman. Uh, wise woman? Okay, I pick that. We already have a wise woman. Excuse me? Who? Dylan raises his hand. Tara raises her eyebrows, accusing and questioning. Her name is Sarah. She runs a succulent store as a day job, and she's got magic spells and potions stuff. And I'm sorry, Tara, she's got really cool upgrades. It's fine. Are you sure I could just... For future reference, each traveler's party can only have one of each class, so it's all balanced, you know? Okay, so what's not taken? There's either entertainment folk, or there's a different thing, but it'll make the party unbalanced, so just for the first one. Sounds great. Okay, uh, let's get the ball rolling then. What's your trade? That's just your character's specific entertainment style for story purposes. Uh, I'm a drag artist. Name? Kiki Caliente. How did you come up with... <laughs> Vaulting pole or pocket knife? They're advantaged and disadvantaged to each. I tape the knife to the top of the pole. The pole is retractable. That's not plausible. I do it every time. It is plausible, just not official. Now, wait a second. I'm not sure that tracks. I still counts as one. I'll allow it. Musical instrument? For a drag artist? Every entertainment member gets one. It's how you inspire. Which is just upgrading our abilities. Mm -hmm. Okay, um... Come on, think! Uh, triangle. But it's an octagon that just makes a low brum sound. What? Yeah! Who is Kiki Caliente? A monarch. Oh, yes, Malish! All right, here's your basic sheet. I've already assigned your virtue skill points to a level I deem worthy. Okay. Pierce passes her a packed sheet of paper and tosses her a small bag. I always have spare dice. I am prepared for anything. Back in Lyoth Hall, comfortable in the second floor master suite, Logan and Luciana sit opposite each other at a small table by their window, unpacking a large tote of steaming food. Should you be eating any of this? I've been good. Don't think it'll make all the difference. Last time you said that, you woke up with an ostomy bag. And that can literally only happen once. <laughs> if you die from fried rice tonight, I will be admittedly a little upset. But only if it's fried, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, where are we at now? Well, we have a strict rule against bringing in foreign unfrozen fruits because they can bring disease or go bad to the point of poisoning. But since these coconuts aren't doing either of those things, 
I'm trying to find a way to curb the potential for arresting our vendor friend and growing the work he's already been doing in hopes we can get them here. Did we ever catch his name? Yeah, he's... Ven. Ven. Ven the vendor? (laughs) It has to be a circle mod. Have you checked it out? I went with him the other day. He just ships them in from Mare Magnum, and it works out fine every time. Maybe it's a flawless seven-stone alignment? Maybe, but I thought research was still being done on that. Hmm, yeah. Yet, say we get everything passed. What's the next few weeks look like? Do we start distributing them to other vendors for commercial buy? Well, I think keeping it contained to the causeway is ideal for a trial run. They've been getting them for a few weeks. I'd call that a trial run. Yes, but not legally. What are we trialing? How it operates. Kind of a soft opening. This is really the first time I've passed a non-Circle-approved food distribution. The causeway is so set apart from main territory that if it turns out we can't follow through, it'll be less destructive. And what if folks get sick? They won't. Not from this. And you know that because... Tara thought it was a good idea. (laughs) That is your most stunning point. I'm surprised you care. And why? Mr. I-don't-want-a-wise-woman. I don't. Doesn't mean I can't see when we need one. Mm. You can't. Without my help. You did bring it up a lot. Yeah. Hmm. So, coconuts for the causeway? Sure. At Fodale Alehouse, most of the newly grown cities and citadels party has been chipping away at this chapter in their journey. Tara has quickly proven herself a worthy companion and an excellent fictitious drag queen. I roll under and boast at them from behind. I can't believe. Roll for diligence. Kiki barrel rolls. Kiki knocks their head clean off. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Consequences to actions, am I right? But this gives you all a free path to the cellar doors. I'll hold the door open as every folk runs in. Anesthes pulls Sarah in after them and locks the door. Lucky for you, the door does have a lock. But their numbers are many. The door starts thumping physically under the weight of many angry hands. Well, GT, we're cornered and my stuff is out of PowerPoints. When we get out of this, I could really use a short rest. If we get out of this, I could use a dense drink. Oh, yeah? Same. <laughs> yeah? We should go together, Sarah. Uh, are you, like, asking me out, Anastase? <laughs> Maybe. Uh... <laughs> Enough chit-chat. I throw my weight against the door. No! no! Insufficient. The door begins to splinter. Uh- by um, also doing that. Uh, Plus strength proficiency. It keeps them at bay for now. But you hear the pounding of their fists, their growing numbers, and thus their growing strength. You're trapped like a little mouse! You don't have much time, but you know that the permits are here somewhere. We start looking. Where? I survey the room. (laughs) Not well. 
It's a room, all right. I cast help out. What is that? It's a wise woman spell. <laughs> well, when are they going to teach me that? In character, Kiki, please. The table organizer. Kiki, check it now. Right, I'm Kiki. Uh, I check the table organizer. Wait, are we going to go into battle now? Uh, Yeah. Okay, I've got a tinkle, and I don't want to interrupt combat. I'll allow it. Uh, Igor throws his full weight against the door, buying time! And Willow runs out of the room, wasting no time. Hey, uh, I'm gonna go use the restroom, too. But Willow just left for the restroom. And lucky for us, that's not how bladders work. Sheesh, Pierce. Great, just great. Seven minutes tops for the break, folks. I forgot my bag in the break room. I'm gonna go grab it. Fine. Tara, want to come with me? Yeah, sure. Since it's just you and me, Pierce, I've got some backstory tea for you that I'd like to incorporate into the story to replace Shelley's character with Kiki Caliente. Intriguing. Carry on. Tara follows Joan out, remembering to nab her staff on the way. An excellent choice. The two amiably descale the stairs and... Tara finds fascination with going behind the bar and into the employee lounge. A small round room, empty of folks. Okay, we're alone. What's your bag look like? Uh, thank you for coming. I don't know if that was weird. It, it probably was. I just didn't know what else to do. <clears throat> What's wrong? Are you okay? I think I'm seeing things. Like what? Really scary, dark things. What do you mean? Um, great, they, I, I can't explain it. They're, I don't know what they are, but they've been following me around, and I thought they were gone, but they just showed up a little while ago. How long? About a month. Joan shuffles from one foot to the other. Tara catches the woman's reflection in the break room window. It's shaken. Her eyes flit to the corners of light, into the trees, checking, for some reason, if they're truly alone. And Joan does that thing where her eyes get wide and she's looking past Tara at something else. Joan, what color was it? Uh, um, orange, I guess, or a- uh, Like something burning? Joan's entire body stiffens. You hear it? You hear it. Get behind me, Joan. Tara wields her staff, just sweating. She looks to the windows empty and closed. Where? Her shadow's a bit bigger. Sure, she's standing next to Joan, but great they, that's not how shadows work unless... Tara, horrified, tired, and woefully confused, bobs her head back to look up. Yeah, it's orange, all right. And up close, without being surrounded by the red grass fields surrounding Vallis, it's an awfully vibrant sort. Four of its five legs cling to the ceiling. The fifth hangs down like a scorpion's tail. Its stomach? Thorax? Middle part bobs back and forth. Its head, which was already positioned under this body, is much closer to Tara than she would ever have liked. The hazy eyes look at her and watch. I killed you. How do you what? It's head tilts. Great day, what should I do? Well, I think that you should run. Maybe. Oh, it's... Run! Dylan is alone. 
He is in the restroom now, not using it, but rather nervously peering into his own eyes in the mirror. Dylan is alone. He adjusts his collar, unpopping the left side, tussles his bangs. Big breath! Let's go over it one more time. Hey! Uh, hi, Dune. Um, Dune. I'm just gonna... Okay. We've known each other for, well, a while now. Ever since my first day working for Logan five years ago. I was really scared and felt super out of place. And you just, you became my best friend. Even though we're like complete opposites. And, you know, I've always, I've always liked you a little. But that part of me has just been getting bigger and bigger. And Dune, honestly, I really like you. Like, a whole lot. I've grown to love your family so much. I've grown to love you so much. And I think you can say the same thing, right? Well, I can't say, but... Right. But, Dune, we're worried about you. Something's going on, and I've been here for you, and of course I support you and want you to get better, but... I have a lot of self-love that's telling me it's a bad idea to stay this close with you while I love you and while you're dealing with this. I need to take better care of myself and I'm just, I'm begging you to take better care of yourself. And I'm not asking you to change for me. It's, I'm doing this because of me, because I'm scared and- Because it's okay to have boundaries and I don't have them, and I need them. It's really not you, but, well, I mean, it is, but, ugh, I don't think I can do this. I have to. I mean, I don't have to, but I need to, but, ugh. It's the right thing to do, right? That's why I'm quitting working for Lyoth Hall and moving back to the causeway. Wait, what? Yeah. Dylan? Willow? Oh, thank they. Willow, who had left for the restroom a minute or so before Dylan, slowly opens the final stall door and joins Dylan at the sink. <laughs> Hello, friends. Hey, are you doing the mirror pep talk thing? Yeah. Was it loud? No. It kinda. I did hear every word. But hey, very articulate, though. Thanks, Will. Do you... You want to talk about it, right? Yeah, I just... Well, you heard all that. I really like Dune, but I'm worried about him. And Tara said some really cool stuff about making boundaries, and I really want to. And I was thinking of starting with Dune, and then I was thinking about how best to do it, and I think that I have to do what's necessary. Well, I think that's a fantastic idea. Except the leaving part. Is that... is that necessary? I don't know how else to take care of myself while navigating the complexities of romance in a professional setting. I can't deal with a relationship with him right now. Okay, some advice from someone whose job is borders and a best friend. Sometimes burning the bridge is definitely the right move, but... Arson isn't always the answer. Sometimes just, just a little checkpoint. 
perhaps a kiosk with a little arm thingy. It works great. So, like, you should decide what exactly it is you want to protect yourself from before you act on it. Is it something like fruit or a big ol' bear with a taste for folk flesh? What do you think I should do then? I think it's your choice, but I think you got this. He's your friend first, and only right now. Think about it a little more like that. Thanks, Willow. Hmm. Meanwhile, Tara and Joan are... Come with me, Joan. Come, I Come can't. with me! You can! No time for the niceties. Tara yanks Joan through the door by the elbow and the two scurry through the bar. They wrestle their way through the nighttime crowd. Think we're clear? No way they'd make it through this without being seen, so... Oh, right. The ceiling thing. I'm not looking. Just go, go, go! Across the crowd at the bar, we spot Dune and Pierce. Dune with his martini and Pierce with his apple teeny. Willow and Dylan find them. Thank they. That only took hours. Oh, ten minutes, tops. What are you doing down here? I packed up. We're done for the night. Aw, come on, Pierce. Chill out. I just need to replan some campaign plot points to audit Shelly and mix in Kiki Caliente. Same fucking time next week, except on time, you hear me? Yes, sir. You good, Dill? Yeah. Yeah. Hey, want to grab a double shot? Yes! Tara and Joan rush past the bar. Joan! Taraboo, there you are. We're cutting it short tonight. Maybe later, okay? Oh, that's the spirit! Yes! Get that groove moving! They erupt out the kitchen back doors. Joan expertly dives beside the dumpster, pressed up against its wall. The orange lore bursts out after them into the back lot. It's all turned around. It's grotesquely low head and hazy blank eyes scanning the space wildly for this prophetess. It's clicking legs or talons or mandibles stab into the grass effortlessly. Tara, here. Stay here. This is never a good fucking GT. Tara musters all of this pent-up courage coursing through her body. She runs towards this eking orange lore, and in true Kiki Caliente fashion, she bow-staffs it from behind, hard. It stands still. One appendage missing, now even on both sides. It's hazy whites look at her. It blinks once, then yanks the prophetic staff out of her hands. No. Half of it tumbles from one hand, the other half remains splintered in its grasp. No! It raises it and looks it over. It turns it around and takes extra time appraising its coiled green core. Well kept. What? Hmm. Mine now. You speak. It what? Its orange, mushroomish head tilts. Frustrated by these implications, Tara purses her lips tight and watches this thing watch her. They stand like this for a while. You have to leave us alone. Please. Mm. No, I don't. Then do something. Instantly regretting these words, Tara's back hits the wall as the lore moves to action. It raises one of its needlepoint legs, but not in a stabby sort of way, almost beckoning Tara forward, waiting for her to take a step, waiting for her to do something. 
its other three legs inch it forwards, barely making any noise. Tara, cornered against the brick back wall of Fodale Alehouse, sees her choices disappearing. What do you want? Tara reaches forward. Watch out! She's thrown off kilter. And Joan has buried the bottom half of Tara's staff into the belly of this thing. It doesn't even offer a surprised gasp. No fight, no flight. The lore simply drops its abdomen to the ground and becomes dormant. The color, its orange vibrant hue, drains from its extremities into its vitals, then into the ground. The red grass rustles with a splash of red-orange, then becomes its natural tone again. The carcass remains lifelessly gray. Tara and Joan watch it for a bit. Oh my god. What was that? Did you see how it... Yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? Are you all right? Yeah, are you? Yeah. I'm... I'm gonna... Joan dives back into the kitchen, a bit green in the face. Tara hesitates, but eventually gets a grip on the submerged shard embedded in this thing and yanks it out. No change. Fuck. She cradles both halves in her arms and re-enters the building. She finds Dylan, Dune, Pierce, and Willow, where she had briefly noted them earlier. Yo, look at Tara. She got got tonight. Went too hard, yeah? Oh, yeah. Uh, have you seen Joan? Yeah, she's in the bathroom. Ugh. You're not the only one starting to look a little rough, friend. I think we're going to call it a night, huh? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Might be best. They head into the front lot, standing in front of the circle entrance, soon accompanied by Joan, who stands next to Tara, incredibly muted in her disposition. Do you know if it's... Dune trips over it. The body catches his foot, and he staggers once, and Dylan catches Dune in a trust fall, and Dune allows himself to hang in Dylan's arms for a moment too long. (laughs) Dune, watch out for air. Dune, one foot over here. Well, night. Yeah, night. Hey, uh, my card. Call me. Thanks. Next week, same time, except earlier. Yes, 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 yes. Are you in, Tara? Oh, I'm going to think about it for sure. Agnes is in the kitchen, grabbing a late night snack. Eller uncorrelatedly decides he's pretty hungry, too. The two stand side by side. Agnes unpacks a bowl with chips and Eller a bowl of cereal. No one's looking at each other. Hey. Hey. Good day. Busy. Think about it like this. Eight folks live here at the hall. At my apartment, it's only two, and one of them works all the time. You still want to be with me? No reason for the fun to end, right? Right. Nothing has to change? Nope. Wow. You did this for me, huh? Uh... And then we could use less gas mileage that way, but that means we'd buy an armada of cars for fruit sales, and I don't know if I can justify that to the priestess. Which is why we should fill her in now. I just don't agree. What's going on? 
the coconut thing. We're trying to figure out a transportation method. Just keep using the same train transport he's been doing. It's for salt only, though, isn't it? I remember we tried to use it for passengers and we couldn't get that passed. Yeah, but those are folks who require visas and shit. Besides, you're the chief. Just apply for a permit. Hmm. And I'm sure they'd speed it up if you input it yourself. Who do I speak to for permits? Rourke is the permit guy. Yep. Yep, it's Rourke. Can you forward me his number, Agnes? Yes. Yes. Great. I'll call him right now. Agnes's eyes flash Eller a series of apologies. Literally so many. As Logan dips out of the room. That was very good problem solving. Yeah, thanks. It's whatever. I mean it. That's some great problem solving. You're really coming into your own. (sighs) Mom, stop it, Mom. Folks, we have a very important announcement to make. It is finished. Dad's on a call, hun. Oh, oops, it is finished. That's right. After four years of hellish academic turmoil. This is it. The final trifle. The last of the last. They better not make us do this in university. Who's going to tell her? I know that I'm going to have a lot more work ahead of me, but at least it will be work that I'm asking to do, you know? Coconuts are coming to Valis. They said yes? They said yes. What's going on in here? My last Her trifle! Last well, you gotta take Jun Ed's and they may ask for Which know, we'll figure out later, but for now... Once I turn this in, it's finals, and if I do fairly well on this, I'm valedictorian. <laughs> Proud of you, girly girl. It's gonna look great if I give the graduation speech. It'll be like a chief trial run. <laughs> if that's how it works out, totally. <laughs> what, what do you mean? Logan and Luciana look at Mikhail, then at Eller, then each other. Ellie looks at her brother, then her parents, confused. What? What? Nothing's decided. We're all good. What do you mean nothing's decided? Mikey doesn't want to be chief. I... Well, it's just a long time from now. Things change a whole lot, and we want to keep options open for every folk. You've got a few years of schooling to worry about first. Schooling? To become chief, though. I started out that way, too. We just don't want to Yeah, and I'm not like you. I'm not going to leave for two years and do arts and crafts. The lovely trifle she's holding begs her to reconsider. That's an A-plus use of construction paper, if you ask me. What a waste. I want to be chief, and I'm going to want to. Yes, but you are 17. Why does everybody keep trying to talk everybody out of doing our job? We're Lyoths, and this is Lyoth Hall. We're not. Tara, Dune, and Dylan stumble up the stairs. One from exhaustion, and the other two from hard liquor. Tara notes the tension already in the room, and decides it is best to ignore it for the night. Hello. Hey! Hello. How was Fodale? So good! Well, I hope it was a relaxing change of pace. I hoped it would be, too. Tara, frustratingly sober, scales the stairs to her room, but not without encountering one more entity. Ah, the one she has begun to refer to as the Blue Lore of Lyoth Hall. Electrically and dazzlingly blue, lanky and oozy, and here, it tips its head to Tara. Puzzled, but Exhaustedly, defeatedly friendly, Tara tips her head right back at it. It waves a hand. Hello. Tara waves with a hand that usually bears her staff. 
Good night. Hello, unfired clay jars. I am Hope Bellinger, director and producer of Average Folks. Thank you for listening to this episode. Introducing Alexa Burris as Finn, the Fodale Ale bartender. Luke Peters as Pierce. Ali Schlechter as Joan. Lauren Herman as the Priestess. And Araya Glancy as the Lore. Sound design and mixing by Luke DeLorenzo. Original music composed by Liam Greenlee. We're going to list some VIFs, very important folks, that have made this adventure possible. Cameron Kisling, Day Thomas, Kayla Nickerson, Corey Patton, Sarah Fulton, Ali Schlechter, David Shelby, Lizard Sherbert, Dave and Ray, Austin R. Norton, Madeline McGowan, Kristen Simi. A big thank you to Rogue Media Network for all of their support. For updates and overall great vibes, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Average Folks Official. For further exploration, artwork, and merch, check out our website, average-folks.com. To contact us, email us at averagefolksofficial at gmail.com. Catch you next week, folks. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast.